Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Story podcast on a Monday. Little change this week. Um, I am also on Rob Smallbone's podcast, The Property Nomads, right now. So once you've listened to this one, or if you're so keen to hear more of me, uh, go over to his podcast, The Property Nomads, and have a listen to well, my story really, we talk about dance, uh, stoicism, mindset, property, loads of stuff. Um, but in this episode, we talk uh, about Rob's property investments, how we started, what his portfolio looks like now, the kind of cash flow it's bringing in, the freedom it's got him and why he chose to invest in Hull of all places. And he shares some of his top tips and the mistakes he's made along the way, which should hopefully help you. If you haven't left a review yet for the podcast, please do. Uh, and check out the property nomads. Rob Smallbone, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Thanks for having me. No, that's not a problem at all. We've, we've been connected on Facebook, I think, I think for quite a while. You know, I think it's been when I first got into property. I somehow found you really interested in the kind of things you and your your business partner were posting, and I thought, you know, this is someone to to kind of you know follow. And then I think you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, and and here we are. So, you know, for, for people who don't know who you are. Like, you know, what do you do? That's a very good question. A plethora of things, uh, to be honest, Ted, uh, Ted even. Um, yeah, well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, we've been connected for a little while on, on Facebook, kind of following each other uh, in, in what we're doing and the different avenues that we're exploring. Uh, but a little bit about myself. So been investing in property for just over three years. I've got two business partners, one that I actually do the buying with, uh, and then, as you've probably seen, as as uh, some of your listeners have probably seen, um, the property nomads with Matt McSherry, who does a lot of the social media posting, rather than myself. We've got our own podcast and our sourcing and project management business, um, predominantly in Hull. And yeah, just 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 growing, just growing from strength to strength, exploring new avenues, and um, you know, build. In a nutshell, that's it. Okay. And then, you know, just for the listeners, I'm going to be on that podcast shortly after this one. So I'm super excited, you know, to be interviewed. Um, so everyone kind of watch out for that one coming out soon. Um, so how did you, so I guess, what were you doing before property? And then how did you discover property as something that you wanted to get into full time? Yeah, so a brief, a brief background. I graduated from the University of Brighton in 2010 with a 2-1 in business studies. From there, went traveling uh, Southeast Asia uh, and across uh, by land from Los Angeles to New York uh, through the United States. So that was good fun. Then worked for two and a half years at the Oracle Shopping Center in Reading. I was doing a, I was effectively a security guard for for two and a half years, and that was really really good fun. Really enjoyed that. Then quit quit that to go to the FIFA World Cup in Brazil in 2014. Went traveling when I was out there for ten months. Well, with one of my business, with now one of my business partners, um, Aaron. Uh, we were out there for ten months or so. Came back, and all throughout traveling, we were you know, debating numerous things, and we we're wondering how you know what can we do to you know keep enjoying the traveling 
experience, but without having to go back to work for, you know, two and a half, three years, et cetera. Um, uh, yeah, from that, we, we came back um, mid-2015 and, yeah, just got in, just got involved, uh, you know, listening to different things, reading books. Um, and, you know, f- from there, we ended up buying the first property in, in 2016 and haven't looked back since. Wow. And then, you know, was there like a, a particular book or training course or blog or something that made you think, you know what? Yeah, property is right for me. We're doing it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which uh, I, I, I'm sure has been mentioned on this podcast before and some of your listeners are going to be completely familiar with that. It was the book, the, the, the mind shift from reading that book, just from you know assets and liabilities alone uh, and understanding actually what each one is. That was a game changer. So, you know, the idea of having assets pay for liabilities quite you know excites many people excites you it excites me this is why we're doing what we're doing and yeah just get stuck in wow okay so so tell me about that first deal where was it how much did you buy it for what's it kind of looking like now so at the time i was in reading and the properties in hull was in hull is still is in hull actually because it is still there the purchase price was forty thousand. The renovation works, et cetera, et cetera, and all the extra you know, legal fees came to about £8,000, rounded up. Uh, we paid a sourcing fee at the time as well, and that was a couple of thousand pounds. So all in all, we were in for about 50, and then when it refinanced, it refinanced at 58. So we took 43 and a bit back out. Um, we're going to say it's about seven left in, flow of about 170 180 a month um yeah not 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 too bad it's a, a very good learning curve that one mm, and i think you know figures like that are, are so important because yeah it may not be a lot a month but you didn't leave much much money and you learn you know like you said and you're still making a profit bigger than the bank so you know it's kind of a, a win-win in a way and i'd be interested to know you know what maybe were the kind of most important things you learned from that property that you kind of took forwards into your next purchases Oh, many, many, many things. We, again, in in hindsight, after working with a mentor for a little bit, we realised that we'd overpaid um, on the sourcing fee. Although we should have said that, we should have negotiated it rather than just take it at face value. We done and we done a bit of research on the area. We we in hindsight could have done a little bit more. Um, and what else did we learn from that? Um, my funniest experience from that is we, we went to view it in the first place, uh, going up and down with the builder. None of us actually realised that the the joists were not great. So it was a bit bouncy. No one really thought anything of it. But when we stripped it all back, uh, we realised that they were a bit bouncier than they should have been. And uh, I remember one of the builders at the time, one of his team was a, a big lad. And um, he, bought, he bought in a ladder and put it on the floorboards to go and change something on the ceiling and then fell through the floor, which <laughs> um, <laughs> I, when I heard about it, I laughed. Uh, thankfully, he was okay. Um, you know, there was no no issues, you know, anything like that. that um, so, yeah, but don't uh, – you get your build team and make sure they're nimble people, not big units. <laughs> <laughs> and then on, on that one, did you get a, a building surveyor in before you bought it? Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't actually. We didn't even do searches. Um, thinking about it, we just 
cracked on and had it turned around in 28 days. And we bought cash, we raised the finance and we just raised the finance and just cracked on and done it. Um, it was one of those moments of getting into property, an opportunity, an opportunity presents itself. We, we'd done a bit of homework on it, you know, again, should have done a bit more, but we'd done enough homework we felt on it, um, raised the finance and just went for it. Because if, if we weren't going to do it then, we would probably never do it. So, you know, we went for it and, you know, the rest is history. Wow. So you got your first property, you're making a, a little bit of money off it. You kind of got most of your money back out. You've had some lessons. What what were you going to then do next? The, the idea is to keep building a portfolio. Um, we, when I say we, this is Aaron and myself, um, we, we had a tough 18 months. There was a lot of you know, personal bits and bobs going on, a lot of, you know, various you know, good and bad things going on. But the, th- the thing that was limiting us both mentally and physically was we hadn't built up a a ridiculously efficient network in Hull. And I was still in Reading. Aaron lives in Brighton. So there was a lot of time being spent driving back and forth, um, you know, twice a month or once every two weeks. And that kind of it almost demotivated us to an extent. Um so yeah, for, so for the next 18 months, we didn't buy another one. And then I moved up to, made a decision to move up to Hull in um, May 2017. Uh, and from there, it's just gone from strength to strength. Being on patch, you know, a lot easier to go in, deal with solicitors, speak to estate agents, letting agents. Um, I just like having that physical presence. I find that more effective sometimes than being on the phone. Mm. And what made you choose Hull? It's never dull in Hull. That's a slogan, <laughs> it's a slogan I read recently. I love it. Don't um, know how true that is, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> when you come up, we'll we'll show you around. It's it's good For fun. Sure. Uh, but the reasons, main reasons, was number one, there's a lot of renewable energy uh, initiatives in the area, both set out by the local council or councils and uh, the government. So there's a lot of commercial land set aside to to build on for renewable energy purposes. Siemens have just, at the time, Siemens were thinking of um, investing in building a plant to build wind turbines. That's now been done. Mostly it's been done. So there's a lot of wind turbine production. There's a lot of commercial land that's being used or will be used for various purposes. It was City of Culture in 2017 as well. Um, You know, that's had a knock-on effect, a positive effect. Uh, in the area, there's a lot more buoyancy now, and yeah, that, that's it. You know, Hull, Hull is Hull is a strange place. It's always, it seems to be always 10, 15 years behind everywhere else. So what you see in Manchester now, Liverpool now, Leeds, for example, that might take a long time to to filter down to Hull. But you know, property is a long term game, not short term wins. Absolutely, and. And, you know, did you, you know, when you kind of were choosing a, a place to invest, because it's probably one of the hardest things that I guess Londoners, and I'm, I'm going to count you in London, I know you're in Reading, but I'm going to count you in the kind of, you know, the south here. I find it very tricky to find a place to invest because there's a few different options. They're all, a, you know, two, three, four hours away. If you want to buy things, yep, you can buy things in London. Yep, fine. But, you know, to get the higher yields um, and to have a cheaper entry point, you have to go further away. So did you look at like Birmingham, Wales, Manchester, Liverpool? did you look at all these places? Like, did you do a lot of research to get to Hull? There was a lot of research done. There was a lot of driving up and down, visiting, as, as you say, various different places, um, Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle, Sunderland, you know, a plethora 
of places. Uh, we we followed a almost like a ten five two one system. So we picked picked ten places at random where we knew you know roughly what was going on. Ran some numbers, visited them, whittled them down to five. Again, done the same process, done a bit more digging, whittled them down to two. Uh, ended up being Hull and Liverpool, and you know from there it was you know a case of do a bit more research about what's going on, make a decision. So made a decision to to go to Hull. Wow, and how many hours drive is that from Reading? Depends how fast you drive. <laughs> it's on average. About four hours. Wow. Okay. So then you made a big decision to to move up there, which I'm I'm kind of seeing more people do, and it's like a huge sign of commitment. So, you know, once you kind of made that move and, and things kind of became a little bit easier when you were on patch, what what is your what does your portfolio look like? You know, right now, which is February 2019. So at this current point in time, we have ten properties in the portfolio. We've got one mixed use unit uh, one rent to rent hmo uh, the rest are buy to lets okay and so you know when you i guess kind of going back a little bit as you were kind of building this portfolio did, was your did you have a, a set strategy which was we want these many buy to lets this many rent to rents this many hmos or was it a case of just finding a good deal how did you form a strategy so we set out to purchase buy to lets predominantly and then by moving up to Hull, being on patch, you know, being a bit nosy. I'm on the committee for Humble Landlords Association as well. So that's really useful because you, you really get up to date with what's going on in the local area. We kind of used, or yeah, we kind of used the area as the competitive advantage. So street by street by street, we'll know what works, we'll know what doesn't work. So if an opportunity came about, it was a case of do the numbers work? How feasible is it? What's the market like for this particular strategy? Um, you know, let's go for it if it works. Um, and then, you know, after all that being said and done, uh, what Adam and I have decided moving forward is that we enjoy the buy to let side. Once it's set up, once it's, you know, let out, and we use lettings agents for that they're relatively headache free and going back to the traveling that's the long-term aim the long-term ambition we find that buy to lets are just that much simpler Mm, absolutely and you mentioned something there which was you know you knew street by street where the deals you know were potentially going to be which streets to avoid which streets to you know invest in would you say that, you know, once someone's found an area that they should focus on getting to that level of detail where, you know, if they have an alert on right move or an agent calls them and says, hey, property on this street, that person should know instantly, mm, I'm not really going to touch that or, OK, the ceiling value is this. Like, so should people know their area street by street to every single detail? Yes, in my opinion, yes. However, the caveat and caveat M tour, by the way, of that is, as you mentioned earlier on, is if people have got money but not got the time, and they might not have the time to go from London up to you know Middlesbrough, for example, having someone on the ground that knows that inside out is equally as beneficial as long as you've got a good working relationship with that person. Yeah. 
Okay, that makes sense. Having the knowledge somewhere it doesn't have to be in your head, but it has to be somewhere close enough linked to you that you you trust that person or that source. Okay, and then, I mean, what was the most challenging deal that you've had? Oh, most challenging deal. That's a very very good question. The most challenging one was probably the mixed use unit that we bought um, in 2018, because. What in a nutshell, what had happened? Someone had gone in to try and purchase it before us. They were messing around with the vendor. The vendor had expectations of, you know, completing by a certain date. It was getting close to Christmas, so that was the most challenging one from a case of managing the expectations of the vendor and having to work with them to basically come in and say, look, you know, you've been let down by someone else. We're going to do exactly what we say we're going to do. However. It's going to take time, bear with us, work with us, Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, from, from that point of view, that was the most challenging one. And because it was challenging, did it have a greater reward than the easier ones? Um, to an extent, yes. I think once you know, once it's all said and done, you, it's easy to look back on it and, and say that. Um, I think every property is re- rewarding in its own right. Mm, okay. And then... What was maybe the the kind of smoothest, easiest deal? You know, the one that kind of most property investors dream of, one that the the training courses tell you is every deal. You know, have you had one of those that just went, "Wow, that was that was kind of easy." <laughs> I can think of a couple actually. So, um, so at, at the time of talking, I will point out. So, we've got ten at the moment. We've also got four going through. Um, two which we should complete on next week and whatever so we've got 14 that we're kind of playing around with at the moment but one of them i'll give you that as the example so i get on well with a few people in the council and i had an email from someone in the council to say look hey rob uh, you know do you want to come and check out this property um by the way the council were looking for seventeen thousand pounds for it huh 70 what okay yeah yeah I thought, okay well cool well, let's let's go and check it out i said do i need to know anything else and he said no here's the latest report on the property um when you go down you'll need a, a drill to get in because it was boarded up and he said the council's after seventeen thousand pound i was like fine so I went down called my builder went down he had a look at it the renovation is going to cost more than the purchase price which is fine um but yeah in terms of in terms of how that worked it was simply a case of um i sent i say received the email went to look at the property i still i still tried to negotiate on seventeen thousand pounds you know why not you got to ask a question right um turned around and said no it's got to be seventeen thousand pound done a brief look at the numbers and went yeah that's fine uh and and just cracked on with uh, with raising the finance and buying it so from an ease point of view that's probably the easiest one and it's probably going to be the most satisfactory one in terms of numbers um because looking at the numbers off the top of my head 17k purchase 20 well, i say 27,000 pounds and that's including renovation buying costs refinance costs etc it should value at around 60 so 75 percent loan to value 45 grand back with you know 44 45 grand in so we yeah well i think when i last looked at it it's about 800 pound left in um and a, a return of 230 percent. so not bad well wow, that's that's some that's some big return on cash left in what a deal and i think that highlights the importance of your network right because 
I don't know someone in the council and I don't know how many people do and it's because you knew that person it got you that deal so I I guess kind of leading on to that I'd be interested to know how do you finance deals you know where do you find the investors and money And, and I guess within that how important is or has your network been to you? Networks well, your network, the, the common phrase, isn't it? Your network is your net worth and vice versa. Having a network's crucial. Um, in terms of raising finance, we've been fortunate enough to raise over half a million pounds so far, which is you don't realise what you're doing until you've done it. Um, so yeah, that's a good achievement. And yeah, yeah, that's a blend of you know, family, friends, being enthusiastic about what we're doing, having belief in what we're doing proving to people that you know we do exactly what we say we do so if we uh, you know, raising finance and we agree to pay it back on a certain date that's paid back on the date because that really helps to build a rapport as well and then, and then you strike while the iron's hot so if you're handing back x amount to an investor you know one of the easiest things you could do is oh yeah by the way we've got this project would you be interested in going again? Nine times out of ten, you know, investors love that. Um, it's easy, easy life for them and, and money making for them, and it helps to build out the poor that relationship. Yeah, and and then, you know, how have you in the first place before you even get to the point of getting their money for the first time? How have you shown the world and potential investors that you know you are investable and you're doing some amazing things in property? I put that down to my personal core values. So, you know, authenticity, integrity, and congruency. So by just by living by those three simple things, I found that when you're speaking to people, it's very easy to be congruent in say your body language, because you're going to do what you say and you say what you do. We're not trying to hide anything. You know, 99 times out of a hundred things go well. There might be the odd occasion where things don't go quite so well. And you just got to suck it up and have a conversation with someone it might not be ideal, but you know, if you can go to, you know, someone have a chat with them and work it out, then that always works in your favour. And, and having that, having someone to have the belief in you and having belief in yourself, that gets you started. And once you're started, and you can build, start building up that portfolio, uh, as you know from, you know, setting up TED talks and from your own investing, it might be a bit challenging to start off with. But once you build it and once you get going, it just snowballs. And it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. And you just monitor it and, and go with the flow. Hmm. You know, it's, it's very true. And then I guess on that, you know, how important has social media been to attracting investors, if if at all? Um, not really. From, from, a buying, from a buying point of view, um, from what Alan and I do, not really. We, we speak to a lot of people you know, face-to-face. We know a few people here and there. Um, you know, it just so happens over time through conversations, you know, these people say that they've got X amount here or X amount there. You know, we just say, as what many people say, you know, we can offer we can offer X amount better than the banks. This is where your money's going. These are the projects we've got going on. You know, have a chat with them and work it that way. Um, in saying that, though, Ted, with with Matt and the property nomads stuff, Matt's very active on social media. And that, as, and as you know, that gets a lot of attention because it's, you know, people love seeing stuff on Instagram, all the photos, etc. People love seeing that on Facebook, LinkedIn with a more sort of professional vibe. So, yeah, although I'm not, I'm personally not massive on social media, um, I understand the, the importance of it. So yeah, the answer is mixed. 
Okay. And you touched on something there, which was which was essentially mindset, right? And having that belief and, and self-belief. You know, do you meditate? Do you practice mindfulness? Do you read anything? What for you, I guess, has given you and also maintains that kind of mindset? A meditation, I don't do as much as I should do. I should do a lot more meditation. In terms of other mental aspects, I listen to many podcasts, you know, including yourself. Uh, you know, Tesh Talks is a great podcast. Also, listen to a lot of books on Audible. Now, if you've not got Audible, I recommend you go and get it. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I'm a slow reader, but I do like to read every now and then, mainly nonfiction, to be fair. Um, history is my thing. I love learning, you know, about different things. Um, and taking the lessons from, you know, other people as well. So in terms of mindset, you know, taking it on board and then taking the action, that's, that's crucial. Hmm. And, you know, what are you doing next in property? What's on the horizon? Building Property Nomads brand, so building a podcast. We've got many, you know, exciting interviews, including yourself, as you mentioned, coming up as well, testing around ideas on the podcast. And then the sourcing side and the project management side, again, we're looking to just build the client base, you know, build that reputation, build that brand. You know, who knows what that will lead to? You know, that might lead to finding some more joint venture partners, some angel investors. You know, that might lead to bigger projects. I'm always up for testing myself, working with new people and, and trying bigger and better things. So, yeah, just, just to keep moving forward like I think we all are in property. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we spoke about Hull and its kind of fundamentals and economics before, but what are your thoughts on the market in Hull? You know, you know, people say, oh, is it, is it oversaturated with HMOs? Are there not enough investors in? Are there said not enough stock? You know, what is your kind of view as someone who's on the ground in Hull of Hull? I think it depends on the strategy. That it depends. It reminds me, that's the, the two famous words in property, isn't it? It depends. So we've all heard that. Yeah, it depends, really. Um, so if you're looking down the buy-to-let route, Hull is solid, really, really solid, uh, barring a couple of areas and a couple of streets that I wouldn't invest down, you'll be fine in Hull in terms of buy-to-lets. In terms of land development and so forth, there's a lot of work going on in uh, city centre at the moment. Find that predominantly... The, the higher GDV areas are just outside Hull in the little towns here and there. Um, HMO-wise, HMO's tough at the moment because, you know, the fabled B word, you know, Brexit, that's had an impact on the Eastern European market for HMOs. There's a lot of um, development going on at the university on main campus. So a lot of student, you know, pods, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but in saying that, you know, the young professional market is increasing. The generic professional market, if you want to call it that, that's increasing. Uh, and also the contractors as well with the amount of you know work coming into Hull, that's also on the increase. So HMO is a mixed bag. It depends who you speak to. But I'm fairly optimistic that as with anything, get it in the right place with the right target market, um, you know, and you should be fine. Okay, cool. And that brings us to my last question before the quickfire round. Is there a resource, platform or app that you just can't live without? Oh, well, I'm not the most technologically gifted 
in the world. So I hold my hands up to that. I would say WhatsApp. I might sound a bit old school nowadays, but uh, I find that it's very easy to uh, communicate with a multitude of people, whether that's different sources, whether that's clients, you know, that we've got for projects or whether that's just, in, you know, between, um, you know, business partners and finding that WhatsApp always go back to it. So, you know, quite simple, quite straightforward and just how I like it. Yeah, perfect. And before I go on to the quickfire round, are there any last bits of advice or lessons that you want to share with the listeners from your experiences in property? Well, this, well, this kind of blends in with um, probably stuff that a lot of people have heard before, but I would say know your why, know why you're doing it, know why you're getting into property and make that why really powerful. You know, you don't have to share it with the world like I do, but you can you know, know your why, know why you're doing it. Property takes time. Uh, yes, you hear these success stories of people that have done multi-million pound projects after, you know, three or four months in property. You know, they do exist. Those people do exist. Uh, but nine times out of ten, you know, slow and steady wins, wins a race. It's uh, a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. And has property given you something or is it giving you something that you didn't have before, like freedom or more time to travel? Or are you still in the stage where it's, taking up a lot of your time kind of 50 50 at the moment um, you know kind of where i'm at at the moment is i'm at the stage where the you know the buy to lets are, are helping me you know have basic financial freedom if you want so you know my basic bills are covered that's great you know i don't have to think about that now which is which is wonderful but the entrepreneur i mean the entrepreneur in you and the entrepreneur or the entrepreneuress if we're being pc about it uh, amongst everyone that's listening you're always going to want more. You're always going to want to keep progressing. You're always going to want to add more to your portfolio. Uh, it's no different for myself. You know, I want to keep adding, keep being strategic about it. You know, keep adding three or four buy to lets a year. You know, with Aaron on that side, so it's nice, sensible growth. You know, on the other side with with Matt, it's going to be a bit more, you know, chaotic in a good way. And you know, th- there are there are no limits. The only limits exist in your brain. Awesome. So, quick fire round. So my first question is what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made in property i say this humbly as a now 30 year old and not starting sooner Um, so many people when you're networking that might be in their 40s 50s even 60s plus say the same thing not starting sooner and i say that as a 30 year old not starting sooner you know if uh, anyone out there that's younger that's already started congratulations um but if you're you know, on the edge of, of thinking about doing it, just crack on and do it. Um, you know, start now and it's a different conversation in 20, 30 years down the line when you've got all these assets under your belt. Uh, not reading enough. So, I'm a, again, I'm a slow reader. I hadn't discovered Audible, you know, a few years ago or po- even podcast, to be fair, a few years ago. So, you know, reading more uh, allowed me to, you know, expand my mind, expand my brain, expand my knowledge um so yeah i should have read more not taking enough action yeah not taking enough action i think uh, again it might sound like i'm you know beating myself up here and that's, that's not the case it's just my mentality is you know always wanting to go bigger always wanting to go better always want to keep pushing myself and move forward so you know i, I would say in hindsight not taking enough action would be the uh three third biggest mistake there Awesome. And then what would your top three tips for new people in property investment be? Probably the flip reversal of those mistakes. I would say number one, always take action. 
so you know go out and do stuff if someone tells you to go out and do it do it it's always useful number two would be read and listen to podcast books you know and uh, you know, stuff on audible as well you know really really get involved in it and number three remember that property takes time you're going to get these people that are you know, you're going to hear these success stories and, and, and they are wonderful of people that have achieved it in such a short space of time. And that's great, wonderful, fair play to them. Nine times out of 10, it will take time. There's going to be so many different obstacles in the way that we all face. And I'm sure you can resonate with that as well. And, you know, just overcome them, know your why and just crack on. Great. I love them. And then lastly, what are your top three goals for the future? They can be personal, career based, anything. Top three goals for the future. So I would like to visit every country in the world by the time I'm 50. Um, I'm 43 at the moment, so I've got about 170 to go. So quite a distance, literally and figuratively. I would love to, <laughs> this might sound cynical, but I'll say it anyway. I've always loved the idea of owning a roadworthy tank. Oh, I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm coming for a ride in that when you get it. Oh, mate, absolutely. Uh, I've always liked the idea of turning up to Morrison's on a Wednesday morning and have everyone looking at me when, I'm go- <laughs> when I go in and collect my milk or oh, something like that. That's epic. Forget a Lamborghini, mate. Tanks where it's at, eh? <laughs> Yeah, cars don't do it for me. You no, know, cars cars don't do it for me. Get get me to get something a bit, you know, uh, quirky or something like that, then I'm in. So, yeah, dri- driving up the A63 with my tank would be fantastic. <laughs> Love it. And then the third one? Yeah, third third one's to do similar to yourself in terms of growing the podcast, growing your network, growing your business and various businesses that, you know, you and I've got planned, you know, not necessarily together, but you know, businesses we've got planned moving forward uh, and to always keep improving and, and to keep taking, to keep put, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Perfect. Nice and simple. Still slow and steady wins the race. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the Ted Talks podcast. I'm, I'm so excited to now flip it and uh, have you asking me the question. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And thanks again. No, thank you for your time. It's been, you know, absolutely wonderful. And to anyone listening, you know, come check out the Property Nomads podcast. You know, keep uh, keep listening to Ted Talks. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, thank you for your time once again. I appreciate it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.